0: Hey, this is Fred Otma, Tugboat Typhoon, the Shockmaster, the BAE Double D Big Steel Man, and, uh, I just wanted to, uh, uh, I had heard just a little while ago about, uh, me and Gene passing, and I'm, I was very upset about that. I, I was hoping that it was not true, but I guess all indicators say that it, it happened, and, uh, I just want to say God bless him and his family, and, uh, all my friends and and, and wrestling fans out there with a heavy heart that i you know that i say this stuff and he was always really good to me and everyone that that's ever dealt with this man and he was a gentleman uh uh, a a wonderful person uh, a loving person and uh a great friend and uh, a true blessing in my life in the wrestling business you know and uh I know all of us have to go at some point in time and, and you know I hope his was a painless end and I just want to say uh, I love you big man and, and uh, I'll miss you. God bless and uh, thanks, bye. Behold, the genius Lanny Popper, the world's smartest man,
1: sometimes what goes on behind the scenes is stronger than the soap opera on the video school.
2: Hi gang, this is Mean Gene Okerlund. Welcome to the Genius Cast with Laddie Popple and J.P. Zarka. Both, as you know, are very dear, close, personal, longtime friends.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the poet and limerick writing, motivational speaking brother of WWE Hall of Famer, Randy Savage, the Genius. Leaping Lanny Poffo!
1: Hello, wrestling fans. This is Lanny Poffo. Welcome to the Genius Cast, and here's my host, J.P. Zarka of
3: ProWrestlingStories.com, and you've just heard the words of our friend Fred Ottman, also known as Tugboat, Typhoon, and the Shockmaster at the start of our show. Sadly, our longtime personal friend, Mean Gene Okerlin, passed away two days ago at the time of this recording on January 2nd, 2019, at the age of 76. Lanny, what a loss, not only to the fans of professional wrestling, but to those who knew him well, like yourself.
1: Yes, it was a great loss, and uh, unfortunately, wrestlers are dropping like flies.
3: Right, and, and, and wrestling personalities. And, you know, he hadn't been in the best of health these last few years. Um, On our social media accounts, we actually talk about how you had gone up to visit him in November and you drove up to his home and you had a conversation with him for our show. But regrettably, there was a hardware malfunction and you weren't able to save the contents of that interview. And I know you've been beating yourself up over it ever since. It was an honest mistake because you've recently got a new microphone that you just purchased before you drove up there and you weren't able to save the file because there was an error. But things happen out of our control sometimes, and the silver lining here is is that you got to spend quality time with him less than six weeks before he passed away.
1: That's true, and uh, you know something? We also, I'm, I did successfully save the thing that I wanted him to say for the intro, and that's going to be on our intro for the end of time. And that's something I'll forever cherish. That's true, and uh, I'll tell you what, I take full blame for everything, but I am learning as I go, and this genius gimmick really was just a gimmick.
3: Stick around with us to the end of this show. Lanny's going to be sharing the memories he has from that conversation with Gene. Really, it's going to be a
1: treat for our listeners. Let's make this a great memorial to our friend.
3: Absolutely. Eugene Arthur Okerlund was born December nineteenth, 1942, in Sisseton, South Dakota. It was a small town with a population of about 2,500. In his late teens and early 20s, now this is something I didn't know, he formed a band called Gene Carroll and the Shades. With this band, he released two singles one in 1959 with the tracks Red Devil and Do You Remember, and again in 1962 with the songs Is It Ever Gonna Happen and Holly. Here's a clip of the track Is It Ever Gonna Happen from 1962.
0: Is It Ever Gonna Happen? Is it ever gonna be, is it ever gonna happen, baby, it will be me? Oh, it's well, 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 tell, tell, tell me, And I, I got a funny feeling, The feeling's going round, got a funny feeling, baby, out of town, and I know well, 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 tell, tell, tell me, is it ever gonna happen?
3: What a fantastic track. You can hear his iconic voice in there as he sings. Just amazing. Did you know Gene was in a band back in the day, Lanny?
1: The only thing I knew for sure, of course, when I was in Sarasota at his home, he told me about that. But the only thing I knew was, remember the album the WWF put out?
3: Yeah, he sang in it, didn't he?
1: Yeah, Tutti Frutti. Oh, Rudy. Whatever that was, you know, (laughs) and uh, he did a hell of a job and, you know, he had the uh, hell of a, what a voice he had and his diction was perfect and he was never at a loss for words.
3: of course, we'd hear Mean Gene also singing in 1985, when he was the first ever person to sing the national anthem at WrestleMania, doing so at WrestleMania One.
0: All right, ladies and
2: gentlemen, I'm going to need a little help on this one, so if you would please join us with the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hail the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars
1: What a great job he did there. Oh yes, I don't not success.
3: Gene Carroll and the Shades, they played parties throughout the Midwest and the Dakotas and in 2009, actually his band was inducted into the South Dakota Rock and Roll Music Association's Hall of Fame. A lot of hidden talents there, amazing. Now, Gene, he studied broadcast journalism and landed his first job on air on the popular Omaha radio station KOIL. He later moved to Minneapolis where he worked for a local television station's front office. Tell us a bit about what you know about the days before Gene worked for the AWA.
1: The thing is, I know a lot about it because I lived in Downers Grove, Illinois, and there were two wrestling tapes that came in after Fred Kohler stopped putting his tapes in. Fred Kohler was the biggest promoter, and he was the one that was the impresario of the Comiskey Park match between Buddy Rogers and Pat O'Connor. Please go to YouTube and watch that match because for the early 60s, that was as good as wrestling ever got. Right. Have you ever seen it, JP? I have not. No, I'll be having to do a bit of research and watch that after the show. I insist that you do. I grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois, and Fred Kohler was the promoter, and that was the only TV wrestling that was on in Chicago. And... Then he sold out to Dick the Bruiser, uh, Wilbur Schneider, and Vern Gagne. And Gagne, uh, they, they co op, uh, promoted Chicago with Dick the Bruiser. And so two tapes were coming in one from Indianapolis and the other from Minnesota. Okay, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So the, There was no doubt in my mind that Vern Gagne had the superior take. He had better wrestlers. He had better athletes. Now, Bruiser and Schneider, they were great athletes. But Vern Gagne had excellent athletes all around. Even the uh, King Kong Bundy versus Irving the Bedridden Jew. Okay, you know, the mismatch. Mm -hmm. Even the mismatch people were capable Kenny Yates. And people like that, you know, actually good wrestlers that happened to be enhancement talent where dick the bruiser used to just beat up members of the audience it seemed so <laughs> really honestly it was uh embarrassing and uh my level of embarrassment was high because i had to go to school and all the guys would say hey do you see that guy and you know in other words with Vern, it was more respectable do you understand me
3: absolutely it was wrestling
1: yeah, I was better, <laughs>
3: okay. When you compare it to some of the cartoony stuff happening at the time, you know, in New York and other promotions, the AWA, it was, was no-nonsense wrestling, and it was really great for the fans at the time. Now, how did you get to know about Oakland in that time?
1: The announcer um, was Marty O'Neill, and he was terrific. He was, he was He was a portly, short man with glasses, and a great personality, and a hell of a voice, and... Uh, you can actually see on YouTube what a great announcer he was, and then all of a sudden uh, he drops dead of a heart attack or something, and guess who gets a break? Mean Gene. He wasn't right. he wasn't mean yet, but uh, these, he used to have a suit in his in his locker room or his dressing room or whatever at the studio, and Vern had gotten to know him, and let's face it, Gene was likable, and uh, so. Vern Gagne needed an announcer, and he says, Gene, do you have a suit? He says, yes, I always have a suit. And uh, he gets and well, put it on, and we need you to be the announcer. And he didn't even know much about wrestling. But guess what? He learned. <laughs> I think he learned. And he's, Absolutely. Oh, man. And uh, I remember the first time I saw I said, wow, this guy is great. What a great first impression he makes. And, you know, Marty O'Neill was great, but Gene was better than Marty O'Neill. Come on. Uh, the, you know, this is in my neophyte brain. I knew this. And uh, the first time I saw Gene, you know, handle the microphone and interview the wrestlers, and then he would stare at the wrestler, and then he would react to whatever they said. You know, it's as, it's as if he's listening, okay? You know, the other, instead of just asking questions. So I knew from that day forward, this is the greatest announcer I've ever seen. And um, by the time he got to the WWF, WWE, um, I think one look is all it took for any fan
3: His interaction with the wrestlers that made a lot of those interviews iconic. Now, a bit of something that warms my heart was that I learned that Oakland was married with his wife, Jean, spelled with a J, for 54 years. And they had two grown children. It's not often that you hear people
1: in the business having successful marriages like this. Well, you're talking to one that didn't. So, uh, you know, of course, (laughs) I I consider my marriage successful because um, when you compare me to O.J. Simpson, okay?
3: Oh, God, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Everyone's marriage is successful compared to that.
1: Right. Well, you know, know, it is a thing, okay? So (laughs) if I avoided that mud puddle and uh, got past it, and uh, I'm happily single, and I have a a great relationship with my daughter, grandson, and son-in-law. So everybody's happy, and we can all be in the same room because it isn't about us anymore. It's about that little boy. So Mm -hmm. my point is, when I went to visit Gene, uh, his wife wasn't there. I never met Mrs. Okerlund. It's like um, Columbo—you never saw his wife or something, right? You know. Right. <laughs> but but I'll tell you what I did see. Um, they they lived in a gated community in Osprey, which is a suburb of Sarasota, right? And uh, it was right by a hell of a golf course, and and it was gated community, and he lived in a. Probably, I'm guessing over a million dollar home. Definitely earned that after all those years he's put in. Yes, and uh, it was meticulously decorated. It lo- every room looked like uh, Better Homes and Gardens, or, or you know whatever they, whatever the latest thing is. I don't know. Right. I don't read that right. magazine, but I just happen to know that that one title.
3: <laughs> right. You know, the two of them they had a son named Todd. And he starred in the University of Minnesota's ice hockey team from 83 to 87. Now, Todd also played in the 88 United States Olympics team, and they competed in Calgary. He played four games with the NHL's team, the New York Islanders, but a chronic knee injury ultimately forced his early retirement. So there was a bit of talent happening in his genes there. No pun intended.
1: You didn't intend that pun? I was hoping you did. (laughs) <laughs> his, his, absolutely
3: not you know it's interesting though that gene was married to a gene i mean how often do you find married couples with the same uh sounding name different spelling of course
1: yes i was not married to a lanny but lanny could be a girl's name <laughs> probably could be yeah i've never met a lanny that was a female or or male other than you well there here's the thing there is a lanny i forgot her last name but check it out uh there's a lanny that is a porn star and it's a woman. <laughs> All right. Better looking than you? No, she is not better looking than me. My boobs are real.
3: (laughs) Bringing it back to things. In 1970, Gene left his office, as I said, and he joined the AWA. And that is where he was for 14 years. Now, during his time in the AWA, Oakley was given the nickname Mean Gene by Jesse the Body Ventura. That was meant in irony, as many wrestlers and promotion staff considered Oakley the friendliest person in the game. In 84, he joined the expanding WWF, where he'd stay for nine years as their top interviewer and as host on WWF shows such as All-American Wrestling and Tuesday Night Titans. Now, Lanny, you joined the WWF in 85.
1: Was this the first time you got to meet Mean Gene? Yes, it was. And uh, he was every bit as friendly as you said he was. He was excellent and great and magnanimous. I can't say enough about him, but to know him is to like him. And uh, I I treasure our friendship together and I'm very, very sad about the loss.
3: Tell us some memories that you have. What are some of your favorite stories
1: from his time in the WWF? I'll tell you, things were different back then. We had syndication. And I don't know how many markets, maybe 200 markets or 150 markets. I don't remember. You know, it wasn't just USA Network and it wasn't just, you know, NBC. We had Saturday mornings in uh, every, and then, so we would have to do interviews for every market. So this never ended. I mean, they would have uh, the lights and camera and everything set up and Gene would be there and they would do like a hundred markets and then they'd have to do a hundred more the next day. Right. It was a lot of work. And so a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers had to do things to keep themselves amused. So um I remember, you know, Bobby Heenan, he was oh, he was so great and he had a great rapport with Gene because they were they were you know, they spent a lot of time together in Minneapolis.
3: Yeah, they were in AWA together.
1: Yes. And uh they did a little thing for the amusement of the boys because um or oh, whatever insinuating that Bobby Heenan was having an affair with the fabulous Mula. <laughs> okay so in, in you know some of these markets like in Scranton at the cyC we're going to have a big thing and then you know, Gene says, what were you doing there with fabulous Mula?" and Bobby Heenan says I didn't do anything what have you heard <laughs> you know you know it's like and I'm trust me JP I'm not giving it justice you had to be there. Okay, in other words, my explanation of what happened wasn't as good and hilarious as what happened, but they were like working the boys that Bobby Heenan was having this affair with Moolah, which never happened. Okay, so...
3: Well, I don't even think she was batting for the same team as... Uh, I don't think she'd be going for Bobby, um, if I've heard things
1: right. She she played for both teams and, and had a preference toward women. Uh, but uh, she, in her history, she had... Um, she had gone through the whole lineup on both sides.
3: I'd like to do a show on her one day, um, but uh, I wonder if there's actually clips of Mean Gene ribbing Heenan like this in, in these syndicated recordings. I'd love to hear them. If if well, have you it, heard well any?
1: he wasn't a, he wasn't ribbing Heenan. They were ribbing us. They were okay. ribbing the boys. Yeah. Yes, and and it wasn't really ribbing. Um, it was entertaining us. Okay, mm-hmm. because anybody that knew anything knew that. Bobby Heenan and Moolah were not creating humpage, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It was just stuff to, you know, because it it was long and dreary unless you made it fun, and they made it fun.
3: Not only did he always make it fun, he was a consummate gentleman, forever poised. Even when interviews veered off in a direction he didn't anticipate, kind of like what you just said here, he never missed a beat. Take, for instance, this interview.
2: About the former intercontinental champion of the world, Macho Man Randy. Nothing that means nothing. Nothing, nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? More. I'm talking about all
0: the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream will rise to the top, oh, yeah. Macho Madness, yeah, has got more to offer than President Jack Tunney thinks that.
3: I dare say, if you were to have another interviewer next to your brother and so many of his iconic promos, I don't think they would have gotten over as much as they did. What do you think about that?
1: Absolutely. They played off each other. Uh, Randy would listen to what the interview said and react to that. Uh, Gene would listen to what the superstar said and react to that. See sometimes people don't react to each other. It's like um, Abbott and Costello. They would react to one another. It's That's how it's done. Um, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, they reacted to one another. People don't get it. It's not just memorizing lines. It's not just reading the lines that you memorized. You have to listen to your partner and react. That's how it's done. He was
3: always in the zone. You know, he never looked nervous. You know, he was just following the lead of the other. It was kind of like a dance, as they say when you're wrestling. So, too, is like interviews. He would follow what was happening, his body language, his eye contact, the way he would look at the objects in the hands of the wrestlers and just react. It was, it was amazing. And how can we forget his rapport with Hulk Hogan? Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. You know, without Gene by Hulk's side, those promos never would have had the same feel that they had. Mean Gene was a key ingredient to so many interviews that us fans look back on nostalgically today.
1: That's right. And you know, Hulk Hogan, that part of his gimmick was being enormous, Right. Right. Well, if Gene were enormous, Hulk would look less enormous because the theory of relativity says you got two big people. Gene was a smaller guy and that and Hulk was enormous. So that made Hulk look even bigger. And uh, Gene was great at breaking the fourth wall. And by that, I mean, he would look at Hulk and then he would look at the camera like, wow. You see what I mean? And, And when he looked at the camera, he was looking at Lanny or he was looking at JP, or he was looking at you at home. Absolutely. And that's the relationship that he had with the fans. This is why so many of us fans, we just
3: look at him as part of our lives. You know, he was in our living rooms. You know, he was there with us, you know, and he made us feel a part of it. Now, off camera, Oakland was very close friends with Hogan, as well as the Iron Sheik and the late Bobby Heenan, as you mentioned before. Oakland actually served his best man in the Iron Sheik's wedding. Did you attend that?
1: I wasn't uh, there, and I didn't know it, okay? But uh, the Iron Sheik was married before I ever met the Iron Sheik. Actually, that's not true. I met him in 1974 at the Falcon Rest in 400 King Arnold Street. And the reason I know that is I was 19 years old, and that was the first apartment I ever paid rent on. And uh, I I met the Iron Sheik that, you know, but he doesn't remember me because, you know, he did a lot of substance. And he was in your house? He went to your apartment? No. He was said, oh, I'm having trouble. I just wrestled, and I want to see it on television. Can you help me? And I said, sure, I can help you. And boom, 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 Channel 17. uh, That was before it became the super station. But I did get fan mail from places like Yakima, Washington. Okay, I got the first fan letter from Yakima. And they said, wow, this proves that we're getting out there. And uh, so that was uh, kind of a unique thing for me.
3: Amazing. Now as poised as Mean Gene always was, he was part of two notable bloopers from the generation era. At WWF Summerslam 1989, Okerlund was set to interview WWF Intercontinental heavyweight champion Ravishing Rick Rude and Rude's manager Bobby Heenan prior to Rude's title defense against the Ultimate Warrior, when the Summerslam backdrop fell backwards. The shot of the Summerslam backdrop falling could be seen in the video induction of Mean Gene at the WWE Hall of Fame in 2006. Okerlund then turned around and said, fuck it, along with some other words with no audio. The cameras then cut away to a live shot of the crowd with play-by-play announcer tony Schiavone and color commentator jesse ventura attempting to restore order now after a short while oakland's interview with rude and heenan went as planned now according to a shoot interview with oakland which was conducted by rf video the summerslam 89 blooper was actually taped beforehand oakland explained that the wrong tape was aired during the live broadcast Meanwhile, a frantic Vince McMahon was on the headset instructing Jesse Ventura to cover for Oakland. Ventura instead made fun of Oakland's on-air gaffe and joked regarding Oakland as a troublemaker. I could just imagine Vince in gorilla position. God damn it!
1: <laughs> yes, uh, at, that, at that time, Vince didn't like uh, swearing. Um, as a matter of fact, I wrestled uh, Iron Mike Sharp in Madison Square Garden. I beat him, and then he grabs the microphone and says, Hey, Lanny, get your ass back here. And he said that as I was entering the curtain. And Vince says, what did he say? Did he say ass? Find that. He says, fine him. Uh, and then uh, I don't know what he got fined, but uh, evidently ass, A-double-S. That's not a good word to say. On Madison Square Garden, uh, you, I guess they didn't know that... Um, what, who was that comedian that sold out Madison Square Garden twice? Um, kickery, dickery, doc. Your wife was, you know, um, who's that guy? Andrew Dice Clay. There you okay. go. Andrew, Andrew, I Andrew wasn't going to get that. <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay, you know. So, and then the attitude era came and you got fined for not swearing, okay? And then, right. Or, or showing a bit of cleave. Or whatever. Right. So, uh, so in other words, um, it's it's whatever they're selling at the time. Do our
3: fans a favor and give us your best Vince McMahon impersonation.
1: Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I don't know if I can do it. Uh, His voice has changed over the years. He used to have a... Damn it, pal! (laughs) Yeah, it's a, hey, that's good shit. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. But his voice has changed. You know, he used to have this announcer's voice. uh, Kind of, when he started announcing, he was trying to imitate, I thought, Howard Cosell. And he had that beat, you know, Howard Cosell. And then he changed to a more mellow guy, and then he became Mister McMahon, and that was a totally different personality. And then, uh, and now you talk to him, and he's, you know, um, he's a little bit. Uh, well, he's getting older.
3: He's definitely getting a bit older. Yeah, that's true. Mother time's catching up to him. Find
1: that man. We call it Father Time. <laughs> I don't know where you live.
3: Father Time. Yeah. Mother Time. Father Time. Same thing. Now, Oakland also had another unscripted gaffe on live TV near the end of 92, which was at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. When he was doing an interview, he famously turned towards someone off camera and he said, put that cigarette out, and then went right on with his announcement. Now, one of my favorite Mean Gene moments comes from SummerSlam 1990. I'm going to read this from an article I have up on prowrestlingstories.com entitled Survivor Series 1990 WWE's Memorable Thanksgiving Misfire. You can go read that whole piece over there. The then WWF was heavily hyping an unhatched egg on television broadcasts leading up to the Survivor Series 1990 pay-per-view. Curiosity was building and funny enough, this became the most anticipated part of the evening. What was in the egg? Things are really heating up. Mean Gene Okerlund hyped up to the crowd As the fans waited in anticipation, Mean Gene continued the build-up. You know when it's so hot so long, this means that the incubation is all over, and that means all of us are looking forward to see this giant egg. Wherever this egg comes from, that had to hurt. (laughs) Okerlund's Comedy Hour continued. Oh, this cracks me up. I can begin to see it cracking now. Everybody's been speculating as to what might be in the egg. Is it a dinosaur? Is it a rabbit? Balloons? Is it the playmate of the month? The crowd roared with excitement, if only for a moment. The world soon found out that it wasn't a playmate, no, it was none other than the gobbledygooker, one of WWE's worst failed gimmicks of all time. The moment the bird emerged from that egg, apathetic boos emanated from the crowd. It wasn't the sort of boo that could cause a landslide, but more of a, did you seriously try to insult our intelligence by thinking this would entertain us, if that thought could make a sound. Now, Mean Gene, he went on to interview the gobbledygooker, but at this point, the crowd had lost all interest. All that said. Mean Gene kept it together. He was honestly the only good thing about that segment and likely the only reason the fans didn't riot. Were you in WWE during that time?
1: I don't think so. I don't remember that. Um, And people ask me who was the gobbledygooker or whatever. And I just pretend like I didn't hear it or something. I said, I don't know.
3: It was Hector Guerrero.
1: That was brother of Eddie. Oh, Hector Guerrero. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a hell of a worker. So uh, the fact that Absolutely. The fact that he didn't get over uh, proves that was a lousy gimmick.
3: That was a terrible gimmick. Now, if he backs up the idea of that. You know, he says it was for the kids, you know— Who are we to put it down? You know, go on the site, ProWrestlingStories.com, check out that article, and you can hear what Hector has to say about that experience. Now, after appearing at SummerSlam 93, Mean Gene left for the WCW. He had claimed to RF video that he had not actually been on speaking terms with Vince McMahon for the last few years of his contract with WWF and wasn't actually offered an extension. WWF's loss was WCW's gain, and he remained with them until 2001. Always the neutral commentator throughout his career, Vince Russo changed all that up when he gave Mean Gene and WCW the dirty old man gimmick where he would stare at the breasts of women he interviewed and he would make inappropriate, lustful comments towards them, especially towards WCW interviewer and announcer Pamela Paulshock. Now, I have to admit, I absolutely hated this as a fan. It just didn't seem to fit Oakarland's character at all.
1: Well, you know, I wasn't watching it, so I have nothing to add, you know. If they want him to be a dirty old man, I suppose he could turn the dial up. And he did. After WWF purchased
3: WCW in 2001, he soon later rejoined his old promotion. His first assignment back with WWF was the Gimmick Battle Royal during WrestleMania 17 on April 1st, 2001, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. He would go on to host WWE Confidential in 2002, which lasted for two years. Gene also hosted WWE Madison Square Garden Classics, a weekly series airing on the MSG network featuring classic WWE matches that took place at Madison Square Garden from the last four decades. He is also the host of WWE Classics on On Demand Hall of Fame section, which takes a look at different WWE Hall of Famers each month. Now, Okerlund was inducted into the Hall of Fame on April 1, 2006 by Hulk Hogan. During his acceptance speech, he quoted a Bob Knight speech where he requested to be buried face down upon his death so that his critics can kiss his ass. I wonder if Gene would like to be buried face down now. (laughs) Too funny. He would of course go on to be part of much other WWE programming, including the original animated series WWE Storytime, and of course what you can find on the network, Legends House. He made an appearance at WrestleKade 2018, a weekend event that took place November 23rd to 25 in Winston, Salem, North Carolina. It was the last known public wrestling appearance he made before his passing a couple days ago on January 2nd. Now, as we mentioned earlier, at the end of November, you took a trip up to Mean Gene's home, and that's where you had the chance to talk with him for over an hour. Of course, we don't have the audio of that like we mentioned, but what was that visit
1: like? And
3: tell us some of the things you guys talked about and what your relationship was like with Gene over the past few years.
1: Well, first of all, what's the golden rule?
3: Never fail to be polite.
1: Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, you believe in that rule? I do. Okay. One of the lousiest things that I hate about, you know, anything. Okay. Well, whenever I go for an independent promoter and I fly into a place and they're not there to meet me at the airport. Um, you know, of course, I have the text all the time. You know, hey, I'm here. What's the deal? And then they can tell me, oh, I'm sorry. I'm 10 minutes out or 20 minutes out or half an hour out or whatever it is. But there was a time before texting Right. We haven't been texting forever. So there was a time before that, that I have even been in foreign countries. And I said, well, where's my people? And, you know, and then they say, oh, Mr. Papo, I'm sorry that we're late. Yeah, right. You know, blow me. Whatever. You yeah. know, what I'm, you know what I mean? I don't like it. OK, that's like my pet peeve, if that's a word, uh, an expression. So by the same token, I don't like to be late because I think it shows a lack of respect. Uh, do you agree?
3: I absolutely agree.
1: Okay, okay, I'm so we're on the same page. So I'm supposed to meet him at 10 o'clock at his house. Okay, I don't have a problem with where he lives because I have a GPS on my phone. But every once in a while, the Sunshine Skyway Bridge can be backed up. So what do I do? I leave very early, okay? And, uh, of course, the bridge is only backed up. When you're late, okay, it's not it's not backed up. When you're on time, so I got to Sarasota very very early. I found where he lived, and now I can't go there because I'm an hour and a half early. So then I just drove around, and killed time. I filled my car, and uh, even though I really didn't need to, just to, and then looked in the store, and then I went to uh, have some uh, something to eat, you know, to kill some time, and then I was there. Right in the nick of time, five minutes to 10. So I'm just letting you know how much it meant to be. You know, he invited me into his home. He let me come in. I was not going to be late and I was not going to be early. I was there at five to 10 and I was supposed to be there at 10. You know, if you're going to, if you've got something to do, get there early and then you inconvenience yourself, not Gene. Okay. That's what I thought of him. He deserved my respect. And that's my way of showing him my respect. So that's my point. And if I'm inconvenienced, I don't care. It's Gene, okay? It's all about Gene. It's not about Lanny. So he's, he's, Lanny, how are you doing? You know, that voice, you know, and to tell you the truth, you know it yourself, his voice was even better when he was younger, okay? Let's just be real. You know, he's, he's, he's got some mileage on him and, you know, he's got, He's had a few kidney transplants and you know, whatever it's, uh, it's been rough. So he gives me a tour of the house and I was very, very impressed. And I took my shoes off at the door. He said, Lanny, you don't have to take your shoes off. I said, well, you know, in a Japanese house, Vietnamese, Cambodian, you know, it's a big deal. You better take your shoes off in a house like that. You know, it's, it's the customs of the people. And in my house. I take my shoes off, and I have everybody that's a guest take their shoes off. That's the way I am. So, anyway, my point is, uh, first he did that thing. Uh, hey, gang, it's me, Gene Okerlund, and J.P. Zarka, Laddie Lanny Poffo. Both are very close, personal, long-time friends, you know? And so we got that in. And then we did the other thing, which, let me tell you what. I failed, okay? But I am learning And I will never do it again. And uh, I didn't try to take my own life, but I did have a good talk with myself. I said, you better learn this thing if you're going to have a podcast. Okay. So I'm going to do better from now on. I vow to do better. So anyway, to be honest with you, he was laboring. So I cut the interview short anyway, because he didn't seem healthy to me. And I said, well, Gene, that was great. And I don't think we were talking 15, 20 minutes because I couldn't do it to him. You know, I love him too much. And he was starting to labor. And as great as he was, and he was still great, he's not as great as he was. Okay. He was better when he was young and spry and full of energy and healthy. You understand. Uh, you can't, I do, you yeah. can't be at your, you know, it happens to every baseball player. There's a hill. There's a hill when you're too young and then you get to your prime and then you get past your prime and then you get that downhill slalom and then some people don't know when to quit. Well, that's the way it was and uh, he, we hugged And at the end. Um, and I had seen him recently. I had seen him in uh, um, Tower, Minnesota and I had seen him actually the day my mother died, June 3rd, 2017. I'm in Niagara Falls and we did a Macho Man Um, we did a macho man, uh, uh, imitation contest where everybody dressed up as the macho man and we had to be the judges. He was the MC and I gave it to the guy that I thought was the best. And, uh, there was a lot of good ones and there were some that weren't good, you know, imitating the macho man. And that day, um, a few hours later, I found out that my mom died And, of course, I was with Chris Drabowski, the promoter, and he busted his ass. He got a driver for me. We went from Niagara Falls, Ontario, to Buffalo, New York. Boom, he changed the tickets and everything. He did everything for me, and I got home, and I was able to make all the arrangements. So, um, another great promoter, Chris Drabowski, and he just got elected to office in Niagara Falls, Good for him. What a guy. Great man. What a guy indeed. Yes, he's a great man. I love the guy. So, and uh, I even stayed over uh, at his house. His wife is from Croatia. They've got two beautiful kids. So, I digress. Okay, let's go back to Gene. Um, I've had a chance to deal with Gene many times, even after the careers are over. You know, he was... And by the way, you know what he told me? He was still... Um, employed by WWE. He was the oldest employee they had. Did you know that?
3: I didn't know he was the oldest. That's, that's wow.
1: Well, he may not have been the oldest. I think he was the oldest. He told me he was the oldest. You know, that's, right. that's all I know about that. But he was, uh, definitely on the payroll and they kept using him in different things. So, um, he even said, Hey, what is this we're doing? Because I may have a conflict of interest here. And, um, I said, well, it's just a podcast. I don't know. If you don't want to do it, we don't have to. Oh, it's okay. I'll do it. You know, but I get him the door. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I am not going to make him do anything. I love him too much. Gene was the greatest, you know, and uh, you know what? Every time somebody dies, you say that, you know, but I mean, I really say he was the greatest and you were talking about the cup of coffee in the big leagues, you know, and you just played the interview um, in hmm. my opinion. Uh, Randy was great, but Gene was. Randy was better because of Gene, and Gene was better because of Randy. Why can't you say it all was great, and everybody was had a hand in it? There are no small roles, only small actors. If you have a small role, you can still kick ass.
3: When you were at his house, what were some of the things you talked about before you cut the interview short?
1: Well, he was. I asked him a few questions, and he went on with it. He told me that um, he wasn't going to go to the WWF, because he had a business in Minneapolis and then he was able to work for Vern, you know, as a supplementary thing. And his business was doing great. Uh, I don't know what his business was. I didn't ask.
3: That was when he was, um, was he was doing the television stations front office in Minneapolis. I'm not exactly sure the name of it. And he had
1: two business partners and uh, I'm not a good interviewee. I'm I'm not even a good interviewer. I just let him talk. And since we weren't on the air, I didn't have to work on my gesticulation, you know, like, look at him, look at the fourth wall and all that. I'm not good at that anyway. Um, Gene is the man. Gene is the man. I'm not the man. Okay. I was just at his house and I tried to give him respect and I did that. Nobody's better at showing respect than me. But what he said, I don't remember so much. Uh, I remember that I used a few choice words at myself when I realized I had failed to save the, uh, the thing on the, you know, to give it to the fans. But I I will say this on YouTube. There's plenty of shoot interviews that he was in. And on YouTube, you can, oh, in the WWE network, if you can afford $9.99, uh, check out the Legends house. That was some very, very good stuff of not only Gene, but the late Rowdy Roddy Piper. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, Pat Patterson, um, Howard Finkel. Uh, there was more than that, though. Let me see. Uh, and Jimmy Hart. You know, these are people are caught in the act of being themselves. That should satisfy your quest for seeing these people when they don't know they're on TV.
3: That was fun to watch. What were some of the last words you shared with him before you left?
1: Well, we had a long goodbye. And he said... Lanny, thank you for your friendship and uh, through the years. And I really, you know, it means a lot to me. And I miss your brother and your father and your mother, all the best people. And he was, you know, but it was heartfelt and it felt sincere. And I said, Gene, I don't know your wife. I don't, I never met your sons, but um, thank you for that. And uh, I wish you nothing but health and happiness from now on. And we hugged and uh, nobody cried. I don't remember but it felt good. Everything was good. Did it feel like it might've been the last time you'd see your friend? The last thing I remember, he texted me and said about a week and a half ago and says, I am in hospital. And he had good diction and, you know, he he must've been a struggle to tell me that. So I said, if you need a visitor, let me know. And I put a little emoji of a heart.
3: That was when you were reaching out to say Merry Christmas to him. And, you know, through December, um, you and Gene were talking about rescheduling the interview for our show, and that's when he was actually doing some work for WWE. And, and then, of course, uh, according to Gene's son, Todd, he told the the Associated Press that his father, Gene, has had three kidney transplants in his life, and in the second surgery, The kidney actually was donated by his wife, which is pretty amazing. And he fell a few weeks ago, and it went from bad to worse. And unfortunately, that's usually how it goes. When you're not doing well, A fall is usually the catalyst that kind of takes you to the end there. But boy, uh, many fans and those in the business alike, they blew up social media on the 2nd of January after he passed, just sharing condolences and wonderful memories of Mean Gene. Hulk Hogan said... He was the best partner I ever had. We never rehearsed or did anything scripted from a writer. Gene would ask me, hey, big man, what do you want to do? And I would always answer, just follow you, brother. And it worked from 1980 to 2017. Rest in peace, my brother, HH. And Vince McMahon said, it was impossible not to crack a smile whenever mean Gene Okerlund entered a room. He was the voice behind so many of WWE's most iconic and entertaining moments, and the WWE family will miss him immensely. Leading up to the recording of this episode, some of our listeners sent in some videos for me to watch. And one of the favorite stories of Gene that came through to me was from Kevin Nash. This was sent by our listener Chris Costner. It was a story he shared When he was talking to Sean Oliver, our friend from Kayfabe Commentaries. Now, the initial discussion on Oakland came up after a question was asked about Luna Vishan, saying on WCW television in 97, she was the number one contender for the women's championship and she wants to take the belt off Medusa's waist. Medusa wasn't champion at the time. So Sean asked how a mistake like this could be made on television. Was it a result of too much going on or the agents not doing their jobs? And Kevin laughed and said it's because the talent wasn't afraid to have a cocktail during work hours. Before I get to uh, sharing what Kevin said about Gene, what memories do you have of Luna Vashon? Did you know her at all?
1: Well, I wrestled Gangrel in a um, local Florida opposition independent match. And so, um, I'm wrestling Gangrel, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm a little bit old to be in the ring. I hope you uh, treat me gingerly, <laughs> okay? And uh, <laughs> and sure, he was fantastic and everything. Then he threw me out of the ring, and Luna started beating the hell out of me. And I said, Jesus Christ. He <laughs> said, man, he said, I thought I was safe on the, you know, I said, I better get back in the ring and uh, work with Gangrel some more. He <laughs> <I said>, man. <laughs> He's easier. Oh, man. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that man could still go, Gangrel. Oh, yeah. He's, he's still out there. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's still out there doing... Yeah, he's a good he's guy, guy too. He's very gigs. good guy, too.
3: Oh, this is what I hear. Yeah, he was with Luna until she passed. Now... Kevin said that it wasn't unnormal for them, you know, for people to be drinking in the back while it was airing. In your experience in the locker rooms, was drinking a normal occurrence backstage or was something like this frowned down upon? I mean, I just can't imagine a wrestler, at least in WWE right now, being able to get away with that.
1: Well, they couldn't get away with it now. But um, the name Captain Lou Albano rings a bell. Okay. And uh, boy, he was... uh, you would get a different response of him early in the evening or later, d- depending on how much, you know. Um, and uh, But most of the guys save their drinking for after the show, which I think is the right thing to do.
3: It's the safer thing to do, anyway. Yes. Now, getting back to things, Kevin started off by saying Gene was a man's man, wasn't afraid to have a double scotch while waiting for a kidney transplant. <laughs> He even then goes on to share that his favorite plane ride was when he got to sit next to Gene flying back from WrestleMania to Atlanta, where the two started drinking from 9am and then again in the Crown Room Airport Lounge while waiting for their next flight in Atlanta. He fondly remembers the two of them sharing stories, drinking their drinks, and then going on their own way to their destination's home. He talks about how despite having a good amount of drinks with his friend, Gene never slurred. He was always just a consummate gentleman. That's right.
1: You couldn't tell if he was drinking or not drinking because he was always, I mean, he had perfect diction. He wasn't acting like, um, what? who's that guy on uh, Andy Griffith show? Uh, uh, Otis. Yeah, Otis right. Campbell. Otis. Yeah. 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 I remember uh, whenever somebody would be drinking, Randy Macho Man Savage would always go, yeah, look at Otis Campbell over there. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, that was Randy was, uh, you know, Otis was the town drunk in Mayberry, and for those of you too young to know that, I feel sorry for you.
3: Well, it still plays on. I think on. Channels like MeTV, so something worth checking out for sure. We were talking about Mean Gene's love of drink. There's a drink the boys refer to as the Mean Gene Ockerland, which is two parts vodka over ice. And if you watch the Legends House on WWE Network, you will see him talking about that there. There's actually a website out there entitled The uh, TheRumHollerBlog.com, where they actually have the directions on how to make the Mean Gene Ockerland. Check it out on Google over there. But yeah, he definitely enjoyed his drink. But a consummate gentleman he was. In the words of Herald Tribune writer Scott Lockwood, it was the voice, and not just any voice, it was a loud yet smooth tone that many grew up listening to for decades. I couldn't have said it better myself. Mean Gene was the voice to a generation of wrestling fans and the voice of my own childhood. I'm so saddened to hear about his passing, and it was an honor to have him help out with our show. Even hearing him say my name gives me goosebumps and something I'll forever cherish. Now, Lanny, you wrote a poem about Mean Gene. Would you like to share that with our listeners?
1: It's Mr. Mean Gene Okerlund, the master of the microphone, the man whose voice has launched a million fans. With pear-shaped tones and resonance and lightning-quick rebuttals, he can hold the wrestling world in his hands. Although he uses fancy words with William Buckley tendencies, he's always good for some atrocious pun. The next time he expostulates, just get your dictionary and proceed to have a plethora of fun. It wasn't one of my better ones, but the subject matter was the best.
3: What a tongue twister.
1: It was a little rough.
3: That was fantastic. For a clip of the week this week, we haven't done one for a few episodes now, but I thought this was the most fitting one to use. It's of Gene speaking with Jennifer Schwann of ABC7 Sarasota after the passing of your brother Randy. Gene shares a lot of thoughts on your brother in this candid interview, his baseball days, hanging up his boots and stepping away from the limelight, his impact on the guys in the back and the wrestling industry, etc. Let's have a listen.
2: Savage when did you guys first cross paths in the in, in the mid 80s back when kind of the landscape of wrestling was was changing uh, the rock and wrestling connection on MTV the introduction of Cindy Lauper and all of the uh, Hollywood types and uh, the Macho Man all of a sudden appeared and he was as outrageous as he was touted to be
1: in person, just as outrageous
2: in person as he was on TV. Right. Okay. And and uh, I I I I've got to share one story because I was thinking today all the great moments that I that I had with Randy Savage, and uh, and he happened to say to me one day, he said, I can't take those airports anymore, brother. And I said, Well, Randy, why is that? He says, I got people coming all over me. And I said, If you wouldn't wear the yellow cowboy boots and the big yellow hat and a spandex shirt probably w- wouldn't notice you. And then uh, he says, you might have something there. But uh, I, I got to like Randy, even though he was uh, as outrageous in person as he was on the silver screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I will say, he he took his business, his profession very seriously. and when he realized that uh, he couldn't do it anymore he just all of a sudden walked away from the whole thing as you know he lives in the tampa or lived in the tampa bay area mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to miss the guy he went too early he was a second generation wrestler mm-hmm. his father was a school teacher angelo pappo and uh, on weekends he was a wrestler so Randy kind of got into business that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always introduced him as being from Sarasota, Florida, and he did spend a lot of time here. But actually, he was from Donners Grove, Illinois, mm-hmm. and I live in Sarasota. So it's it kind of turned out that way. But uh, he uh, he was a guy that was very creative and very spontaneous. Randy Savage. Uh, Of course, was known initially with uh, the beautiful Miss Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. uh, who was a Kentucky gal from Frankfort, Kentucky. And she was, I guess, as big a part of his act as even he himself was. We did, uh, it was a a Halloween show, and it was a special. And I, I think here again, it was on network television back when wrestling, quote, wrestling, Uh, wasn't necessarily uh, network Mm fair if you will and uh, we were passing the apples under the chin and Roddy Piper was next to Randy and I was next to and in between Roddy and Elizabeth and I'm glad I wasn't where Roddy Piper was because you could hear the macho man kind of growling in the background he was very protective of Elizabeth. Okay. Jennifer, he uh, he really, I mean, really protected her.
0: What made Randy Savage so, I guess, likable, such a superstar, such a legend?
2: Uh, the reason he was a superstar and was who he turned out to be, this uh, persona that, that, that you saw on television, is because he was really that off the wall. Uh, Randy Savage was was outrageous, outlandish, and uh, that's how he made his mark in the business. Make no mistake, he was a great athlete.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He was an athlete. He, he he played baseball here in Sarasota, and uh, he just his arm was a little too good as a catcher. The peg down to second base ended up in center field nine out of ten times. I'm going to miss Randy Savage because he was never inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I went in in the class of 2006 when I thought Randy Savage because of his ties to the Chicagoland area would have been inducted but uh, quite candidly I think he maybe has refused that invitation. Uh, I guarantee you maybe without his permission posthumously he's gonna be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And it's got to be this next year in 2011 in Miami, or 12. Sorry, he's going to be missed. I've had at least a dozen calls uh, today, either on the on the phone or the cell. Guys like Ric Flair, Jimmy Hart, The Mouth of the South, Roddy Piper, devastated. So uh, we're we're going to miss a guy. Uh, I, I wish he had led kind of a cloistered life uh, these last uh, 10 or 12 years where he's wanted to be by himself. Uh, he so much notoriety, so much walking into arenas to screaming fans, the television exposure. All of a sudden I think he in his own mind said, whoa, stop the music. I don't want to dance anymore. I think he's worked at uh, ensuring his privacy. And God bless him because he had that. Uh, Randy Savage uh, had the music, his original music was the, I believe, the Village People and Macho Man. But then he had uh, kind of like pomp and circumstance when he was crowned the king, Macho Man Randy Savage in the World Wrestling Federation. And that theme kind of stuck with him. he, he, he went through most of his career when he was really hot with Ms. Elizabeth at his side. She was always ringside. She was uh, a stunning, beautiful young lady who was very reserved, just the opposite of Randy. So I've gotta say, if that was his brainchild, it was a great prop, because she worked. She was a sweetheart. Very frail, fragile, and that's the way she was treated by the Show man.
0: How would you announce
2: Randy at the matches? Can you give it to me? Oh, I can give it to you. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, from Sarasota, Florida, weighing 242 pounds, WWE Champion, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Of course, I had the opportunity to have a big house mic and uh
0: crowd goes wild after that. Crowd fire.
2: going wild and <laughs> all of the other uh candy that uh television provides today.
1: And then when she said that Randy would come out on the mat and then
2: to his music, and I mean he did a twirl that was kind of a signature move. And uh, in the ring, he was a very special uh shall we say entertainer. He could uh He could do it all. He could work the microphone, he could work the camera, and he could work with any opponent in the ring. Some say that he could work with a broomstick and sell the place out. He probably could.
3: I got goosebumps listening to him announce your brother one last time at the end there. Just an utter class act. They don't come like Mean Gene anymore. Thank you for everything you've done for the business.
1: Amen to that. Now, before we go, Lanny, do you have another poem you'd like to share with our listeners? I definitely do. And I hope I do it justice. And Mean Gene, if you can hear me, this one's for you. I searched for the definition of a little word called friend. And I looked through my dictionary where the F's begin and end. I agree with Noah Webster and all that he has to say, but this is how I'd put it if ever I had my way. A friend is a God-given blessing, as rare as a precious stone, who loves you, not for your riches, but just for yourself alone. He's the one who shares in your laughter and in sadness spurs you on. He's the guy who'd stick like plaster, when the rest have turned and gone. He'll give you faith when it's lacking and the courage to forge ahead and a reason to go on living when sometimes you wish you were dead. Your acquaintances may be many as you near life's journey's end, but oh, it's a paltry number who could stand the test of a friend. And since I have no gold to give, it's love alone must make amends. And all I ask is while I live, God, make me worthy of my friends until next time so long and thank you and see you next week i just want to say not as the genius not as leaping lanny as lanny poffo thank you to all the fans that made this Genius Cast a big success. It's a lot of fun to do. I hope it's fun to listen to.
3: We can't thank you enough, guys, and thank you to everyone who's already left a five-star review on iTunes. Every single one of those is gonna help our show grow. If you haven't done so already, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Genius Cast. We're gonna be using those accounts to keep the Poffo family memory alive. We had a lot of fun this week, and we can't wait to bring you a new Genius Cast each Monday, so don't forget to subscribe. I'm J.P. Zarka, and you can find me on Twitter at J.P. Zarka, that's Z like zebra, A-R-K-A. That's it for now. So long and goodbye. Listening to The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. This has been a ProWrestlingStories.com production. Find them on social media at The Genius Cast, at Lanny Poffo, or at JP Zarka. If you'd like to advertise to thousands of dedicated listeners on the show each week, send an email to The Genius Cast at
0: ProWrestlingStories.com. Until next time.